Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. All right, if you take your Bible, if you would, and turn to the New Testament, our study together tonight. I have a question for you right from the beginning here, once you find a place in the New Testament. What book? Hebrews. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. The coffee book, right? Some of you get that. That's a dad joke, I guess. Or a bad, jo- a bad dad joke, whatever. But Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13. Hebrews, definitely. Uh, yeah, now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. Hebrews 13, verse uh, 5. Hebrews 13, verse 5 is where we'll find ourselves in just a moment. I want to ask you a question, and this is um, the title of tonight's message. I want to ask you, are you interested in contentment? Interested in contentment? That is something that's uh, hard to do, isn't it? Not always easy to be content. Matter of fact, I do not have this figured out. Matter of fact, I need to be preached this myself, so I hope that uh, you'll just listen along with what God has to speak to me about tonight. And uh, so God can work in all of our hearts, I believe that. And God does want us to be content. Matter of fact, he uses this word in, in the Bible. He says, learn. So it's something we're to be learning and to, to learn. And we'll see that word in just a moment in Hebrews 13. Uh, but to learn to be content. Um, so, or excuse me, that's in Philippians 4.11, but it does talk about content in Hebrews 13. It's been said this. It's been said, many people think the grass is greener somewhere else. I don't know if you just saw that picture before, but it, grass is green on one side, dead and brown on the other, right? Not the way you want your lawn to look, but sometimes in New Jersey that happens, right? The grass is green where you water it. That's, where, that's how it becomes green. This is not uh, too, too deep, but it is something that sometimes we, we think that someone else has it better than us. Someone else uh, maybe has more than us. Or maybe some other place is better, some other thing is better. Um, you know, it's easy to, I think we even have down the road here, we have some places that have the white picket fence. You know, the home that has a white picket fence and the green grass, and it's easy to, to look across and check out the neighbor's yard and think, man, I wish my yard looked like that, or whatever it might be, right? And as a Christian, though, we have every right to be content. And we should be striving to do that. So contentment is a learned trait. And it's, I would say this, it's, it's given to those who are interested. So I'm interested. Are you interested? I'm interested in contentment. I want to be interested in contentment. I can't tell you that I'm interested in it all the time. But I do want to be interested in contentment, and more so in my life. And so are you interested in contentment? We should not, uh, or we, we, we should not, uh, not be content. Discontentment is no good. So being content, how can we do that? Contentment has to be taught to be caught. 
Simply put, it does have to be taught to be caught. So, I don't know, what about a result of this Bible study tonight if we got in our hearts to determine to be content? Wouldn't that be a great thing? I believe that would be a wonderful thing. And learning to be content, it does not come naturally, does it? It really doesn't. Matter of fact, it's more easy to be discontent and to grumble, to murmur, complain, to find something wrong, find something difficult um, about something. Um, And you don't have to look very far. All around us, you can find discontentment very quickly. I'm not just talking about us. I'm talking about our world, right? Prayerfully, not, not us to find it quickly. But to be content, contentment is one of those things that we can say is this. It's counter-cultural. It's against our culture. And it's against what, what, what we have all around us. Contentment is not promoted in our world. We never see contentment promoted or steps how to be content. Have you seen that? Not from our world. You don't see that. Matter of fact, this is what plagues our society. More for me is better for me. That's kind of the idea of our society. A me-first mindset. Contentment is counter-cultural. But as a Christian, we are called to be content. I'm going to share with you a poem, and then we'll get into this passage of Scripture. And this is, I want you to, to understand this. This is written by a young man at 14 years of age. 14 years of age, it's called Present Tense. He wrote this, It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter. But it was spring I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted, to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, but I never got what I wanted. Discontentment. And what we aren't content with is often shown by what we complain about. That's what often shows it. And you know, you know this, people can complain about anything. We can find anything to complain about. It's too hot. It's too cold. Even in this room, outside. That might not be a good temperature for you tonight either. I don't know. You can complain about a spouse, but yet you're married. Praise God for that. You know, somebody can complain about not being married. Yet you're single. Right? So it's okay. That's the time of your life. We can complain about children. Yet, thank God you have children, right? And we can murmur and complain. You know, you can do this without even saying a word. Be completely quiet in your mind, in your head, be thinking all kinds of things. And, you know, maybe you just say them to your family and friends because you've got to get it off your mind, right? You've got to share your opinion, um, express it. You've got to get it out of your system. I will say this, God still hears it, whether you say it out loud, lips, or whether anybody else hears it. 
And so Hebrews 13, it tells us a little bit about this subject, and I hope you'll be interested in contentment and what the Word of God has to say. Not what I have to say, but the Word of God has to say in this subject matter. Verse 5, it says, let your conversation, can I say that means lifestyle, that means our walk of life, be without covetousness and be content with, you see it without and you see it with, be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Wow, the good that God brings. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. But he says, for us, our lifestyle, our walk of life is to be without covetousness and be content with such things as we have. And so I'll say tonight, the first thing, we've got to reject covetousness. We've got to reject it. Now, when you reject something, that means you put it off. That means you don't have anything to do with it. That means you really don't want any part of it, right? And so you're, to reject, that's what it means to, to reject. We're not to reject anyone, right? But we, we are to reject some things. And one of the things that the Word of God tells us to reject is covetousness and to reject it. It says be without it. In other words, reject it. And so coveting is grasping for a strong desire for it. It's just, it's just this matter. I just love this. What is it that you love? Not always, you know, material things as it talked about. Most of the time it is. But we're called and told to reject it. Reject covetousness. So I want to give you some symptoms to coveting, just to kind of do a check. I had to do this check on myself before I'm giving it to you tonight, and I'll be reminded of it again as well. But coveting can happen by even spending money you don't have for things you don't need. I know none of us are there, but uh, I'll tell you, even as of yesterday, last night, um, I, I put on a pair of shoes, they're called Crocs, and you're maybe familiar with it, and it's not what you're thinking about. They're actually more of a dress kind of Crocs. And I thought, I can get away with not wearing socks tonight. I'm kind of liking it this weather. I want to, want to be in these Crocs. So I go to the store with my family, and I'm in these Crocs. And before you know it, I start to feel like, no, I think I need some socks. And I'm in the store, and, I, and so I think I need some socks. But we're upstairs. We're over in Boscov's, uh, Deptford area, and top, top floor, and, uh, or no, middle floor. The ladies' section, shoes, you know, because ladies are looking for shoes, and I'm stuck with them. I mean, I get to be with them. And, and so, because I'm content, right? <laughs> and so they're, they're looking for shoes, and, and my wife's got my card, and that place doesn't take Apple Pay, so I'm ready to go look for the men's section to find my socks. And, but I got lost, and I went upstairs, and I got distracted by some frosted circus animal cookies. But then I realized as I went to check out that I needed, I didn't, couldn't use Apple Pay and I had to go back to my wife to get my card and I sure didn't want to admit to her what I was going to buy. <laughs> and she asked me what I was going to buy. I said, well, I need some things. I'm looking for the men's section. You know, I never made it to the men's section. And I didn't need the frosted cookies. And really, I was okay without the socks because I went home without the socks too. So I, I was not in need of those things, but I thought I needed them. You know, it's a 50%, you know, 80% off. It's the limited time only, right? So that's, it could be a sign of what we think we need to have. It's what you and I complain about can reveal what we're coveting after. If I only had this, or I only, or what, what, what 
I wouldn't give for whatever it is. Listen, please, this one, it's not rejoicing with those that rejoice. If and what you cannot genuinely be happy for someone that is experiencing a success or a gift given to them, you know, it's, it's good for them, but how in the world did they get that new car? Why did they get it? That's, we've got to reject it. We've got to reject covetousness. It's personally finding contentment in, what is it? that you find contentment in. It's paying more attention to what we think people have than the people themselves. That's good. See, when you're, you're out and about, and the tendency is to look and see how people are dressed or what they look like or what they have on or what the brand is or all those things, and before we know it or what, what vehicle, whatever it is or what place or whatever, and those things, when we look right past the people because we're looking right at what they're wearing and what they have on, and they must be, you fill in the blank. And so that's an idea of coveting. Do you see them as a whole person, or do you gauge, how do you gauge others by what they drive or what outfit they have on? You know, if we're not careful, this is our natural tendency, is to base things on what we see, everything that we see, and base it, and that's what determines our mind, and that's what determines what we think other people are just based upon what we see. I mean, the Bible tells a man look on the outward appearance, so that does happen, but God look on the heart. Aren't you glad that God does not have a caste system? Because sometimes we are in a caste system in our mind. And we rank different people different way, different things. We've got to be careful of that. Can I remind you, everyone that you see on this earth, God died for? Every soul was important enough to God to die for. I mean, everybody. So God doesn't have a caste system. Let's not do it either. Covetousness, I'm just telling you, it can slip in so easily before you even realize it, before you even know. And it's like the guy who worked at the calendar factory, and he uh, thought it would be good to take a day off on the calendar. And before he knew it, the day he took off is the day he got fired. And that's just a joke, but... All joking aside, God calls us to reject it. God calls us to reject it. Reject covetousness. It says, be without covetousness. What's the last of Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not covet. Right? It's required for spiritual leadership in 1 Timothy. We think this just goes for the pastor, but that's not the case. It says a bishop, which is an overseer, a spiritual leader, uh, must be blameless. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. And the world's marketing is this mentality. God's mindset is not. And God's mindset wants us to exchange our desire for things and status. And guess who he wants us to replace those things with? Him. And him alone. Matter of fact, he didn't even want to share the space. And he won't. With anyone or anything. And so God desires to become our greatest desire. And you know what happens when that happens? Coveting disappears. Because you're rejecting it. You've got to reject covetousness when you're going after God. Because God didn't have anything to do with it. If he's telling us to be without it, you can guarantee he's without it. He's perfect. We know that to be the case. 
So, but if we're not careful, it's so easy to try to find happiness in things, events, accomplishments. You know, you can even do this, and I, I thought about this for myself, you can even do this in a way that getting busy, just so busy, just so busy. And so, covetousness. Benjamin Franklin said this, discontentment makes rich men poor, while contentment makes poor men rich. Ben Franklin knew what he was talking about, and the Bible says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. That's the difference. Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. He, he does want us to. It's God. It's God, though, that, that's more than matters. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom, Proverbs tells us. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, don't they? Well, that's true. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. We need to reject covetousness. Pilate was flying an airplane, and as he flew over the, the place that he was flying day after day, he'd fly over this place that he remembered as a child. He looked down at that place that was a pond, and that, that was, it was a place that he would do some fishing. And man, he said, man, I wish I, wish I could just go back to fishing. I wish, I, that, that spot is so, so neat. But the co-pilot, every time he see this pilot flying, you see that, that pilot look down and just almost in awe, like, what is, what is going on there? Why is he so interested in that area? He said, well, when I was a kid, I looked up in the sky and I wish I was flying a plane, and now when I'm flying the plane, I look down and I wish I was the kid that was fishing. Contentment. Discontentment. And we can become so discontented so easily. One of the Rare jewels that a Christian should own should be contentment. It should be something we own, something we get a hold of and are interested in it. And this reminds me of a song years ago was written. It said, I'm satisfied, I'm satisfied with Jesus. Said he would be my comfort, said he would be my guide. Well, well, I looked at my hands, my hands looked new. I looked at my feet, and they did too. And ever since that wonderful day, my soul's been satisfied. You know what? Contentment begins in the heart. That's where it begins. It's not a matter of possessions. It's a matter of the heart. Did you know this? You can step outside the will of God by chasing something else or chasing what you covet after or what I covet after. Step right outside of that. What God has in mind. What God's plan is. But the problem is... When you do that, the end result is found in 1 Timothy 6. It says, They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, some, some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, there's, there's a, away from it, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, you and I can determine that if we think the answer is to go after it, then we'll go after whatever it might be. It might be a career, it might be wealth, it might be things, whatever it is. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said unto them, Take heed and beware, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. That's not, that's not the idea. See, if our life revolve around possessions, that can be a strong indicator of our covetousness in our hearts. So you're going to do this. You're going to fill up the tank of earthly or you're going to fill up the tank of eternal. I understand this is not a common 
popular subject. But one of those is going to run empty. At some point, the earthly will or the eternal will not. And so it just depends, I guess, how much you want to put in. I'm not talking about gas, but I'm saying what we are trying to fill up in is going to at some point run empty. And if it's the earthly, that'll be on fumes, but the eternal can last forever. So secondly tonight, the scripture tells us to not only reject covetousness, but it says, and be content with such things as you have. So secondly tonight, we've got to be resting in what you have. Rest. You know, unrest is if I could just get this one more thing, one more whatever it is, then I'll be content, then I will be. You know, it wasn't one bag of frosted animal cookies last night. It was two bags because they were on sale for $1.99. Right? And it wasn't buy one, get one free, but that would have been even a better deal. But true contentment is to be currently satisfied. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, it's the realization of how much you already have. Did you hear that? God wants our gratitude to be in Him alone. And so this is the challenge that God has given to us. And he's saying, be content with what you already have. You know why you could say this? Because he provided in the past. Have you not found that to be true? Well, I hope you have. I hope you think about that. I hope you thank him. We do well to thank him more. Psalm 37, I love it. This verse says, I've been young and now I'm old. And I don't like it because of that part of the verse, but I like it because it says, Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You know this, that if you make, and I'm just going to get personal here, if you make over $35,000 a year, you are in the richest 1% of the world. 35000 Think about that. We're the most blessed people. Especially as Christians, God has a great job taking care of all of us. And he's got it all figured out. Maybe you say, well, I... I still feel like I don't have much. Can I remind you of the widow in 1 Kings 17? said, The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Remember that widow? You know, worry can rob us of being content. So God has provided in the past, and God will provide in the future. And you can bank on it. Matter of fact, he says this, he says, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee. What a promise. And I, I would say this, it's probably one of the greatest promises that I love in the scripture. I hope you could say the same, I believe you probably could. Because that is God's assurance that he's with us. But that's not just for today. No, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he's going to be with us and he'll never leave us. I mean, that never leave is not just, I'm not leaving you today. That's never, no, never, no, never, no, never, never. You know what that means. That means never. Right? I mean, to never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Contentment with Jesus alone brings peace and joy that this promise extends. And it takes contentment in him, though. And God has promised to provide for us. But you know what our job is? To seek him. Remember Matthew 6, 33, take no therefore thought for tomorrow, and He's going to clothe and grass of the field. And what does he say to do in verse 33? He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. What are we to do? Well, we're to seek him first. That's our job. And God always promises things that he keeps to his word and keeps true. And this goes for the future as well. 1 Kings 8 says, Blessed be the Lord that had given rest unto his people Israel, according to all that he promised. There have not failed one word, not even one word, of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. Lastly tonight, can I tell you, well, we need to reject covetousness. Not have anything to do with it. Treat it as if it's, we're going to get burnt by it, like it's fire. We need to reject that. We need to rest. We need to truly rest in what we have. I mean, so, man, I just want to have one more thing. Well, you know what that's showing? You're not content. You know, what I want to have just one more bag. You know what that shows? Not content. You say it's just food. It doesn't matter what it is. Number three, reaffirm your confidence in God. Reaffirm your confidence in God. I mean, reinstate it. I mean, reiterate it. I mean, repeat the confidence that you had in God. Get it back. He is enough. Here's the problem with discontentment. We don't really feel that God is enough. That's what it's saying and showing in our life. God wants us to experience the confidence of being content in Him. And He wants us to to boldly claim His help. I'm reminded of this. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And we can be confident that God is sufficient to meet our needs. And with confidence comes confidence. I could tell you some things that maybe I'm confident in. I think that I'm confident, and I can tell you some things, and I've got to be careful about that. I can tell you some things that I'm definitely not confident in. Right? And so, with God, we can be confident, though. There's no question about it. And the reason I know this is His presence. His presence. He said, I'll never leave thee. In verse 6, he says this. He says, the Lord is my helper. That's his presence. His presence. I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? Boldly confident, cheerful, courageous, courageous, boldly confident in this. We're not careful. We can just be the opposite. We can not boldly say, uh, no, well, I, I, I think the Lord's my helper, and I feel like but right now it's gloomy, it's fearful, I'm fretful, and I'm worried, and I'm going to complain, and I'm going to tell everything and everybody and go on and on about our need, right? We've got to be careful. There's no frustration with God not keeping His promise. Because I know this, not only His presence, but His provision. His provision. I'm so glad I can talk to God about anything, about everything. Know this, that every good gift is from Him. And know this, that contentment is a learned trait. So in Philippians 4.11, we see this. It says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That's not talking about the state of New Jersey. It's about the state of your life. Respect of want, for I I have learned. Are you learning contentment? Are you interested? You know what I found? What you and I are interested in, we go after. We'll do whatever it takes sometimes. Whatever it might be, how interested we are. The more interest we have, the more effort we put forth. The more interest we have, the more funds we put forth. 
We'll do whatever it takes if we're truly interested. And I'm just asking tonight for myself and for you as well, are we interested in contentment? Is there not just a concern or curiosity and just kind of, oh, yeah, I'll check it out, see, no. I'm talking about digging in, going after it. I'm talking about full effort. I'm talking about taking it on as a challenge. Like I dare you to be interested in contentment. Dare me. Would you hold me accountable to be interested in contentment? You know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to reject covetousness. I'm going to have to rest in what I have, be okay with that. And I'm also going to have to reaffirm my confidence. God's enough. Like he is alone all that I need. And that's going to be proven by how much I really talk to him and how much I spend with him and what I do with God. And can I show you something that you've probably never seen before? You ready? We'll finish with this tonight. The reason being is because this is kind of a stretch. But I want you to read something. I want you to see if you'll maybe make this commitment to God. Would you look at verse 5? The latter part of the verse. God makes this promise to us. He says this. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, would you do something for me and, and, and with us together? Can we read that backwards? I told you it's probably not something you've ever done before. Have you done it? Thee forsake nor, thee leave, never will I. You see it? I'm not encouraging you to read your Bible backwards. But could you make that commitment to God? God, I know you never leave me nor forsake me. I'm thankful for that. God, my prayer tonight is this, that thee forsake nor, thee leave, never will I. I don't want to do that. And one of the ways that it can happen is to be rejecting covetousness, resting what we have, and reaffirm my confidence in God. I don't know if you'll make that commitment, but I hope you will. It's not a bad one to do, and I pray that I'll do it again. Because you know what that's doing? It's reaffirming, reaffirming confidence in God. God, because I need you, I need your help, and I want to be content with such things as I have. I'm going to be without some things because of that. It's not without Him, and that's all I need. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.